0: Welcome to church, everyone. Good to see everyone. Glad you're at church. Welcome to our ladies who are coming back from a hangover from a women's retreat. It's a godly hangover, a holy hangover, so way to go. Uh, welcome those of you who are online. Thanks for being a part of this service. I pray you stay tuned in, stay engaged. Let us know you are watching. In fact, let us know where you're watching from. That'd be kind of cool. And uh, so glad you're a part of this service. Before we jump into the message, um, I want to share a couple of announcements with you. One is our Feed 5000 event. We do this every year, and we feed a whole bunch of people, and it's an opportunity for us to love, online Others, we're feeding the hungry here, and uh, we're going to be uh, distributing uh, 2,200 boxes, and each box feeds a family of three or four. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we have a responsibility. We're doing this with in partnership with Food for Hope, and uh, our responsibility at Thorn Creek is to sponsor 200 boxes. This is where we're at. We have 157 boxes. Praise the Lord. That's good. Uh, we have. Uh, we, we need. Uh, we need a few more boxes boxes. So 200 minus 157 is, let's go really quick. We have accounting people, math people, 43. 43, That's what I heard. 43. We'll just pretend that's right and believe that's right. Uh, I wanted to put it, I want to just make sure everybody's awake, you know, yeah, with, with uh, the calculating right now. So, but anyway, uh, we have a few more. So please go to feed5000.gifs and uh, sponsor some boxes. And uh, this is exciting. For the first time, we're about to announce. Our men's retreat that's coming up. Yes, our women just got back, and our men's retreat is gonna be February 2. 2- 3 and 4. That's a Thursday through Saturday. So men, take a picture of that and ask to get off of work. You can sign up and register now. You go to thorncreek.info and you can register now. Now I want to encourage you, man. Every man needs other men to pray for them. Every man needs men to just support them and love on them. And So I want to encourage you to attend this men's retreat. No man can do it all alone. If you think you could do it all alone, you're buying into a lie. I, I have never seen a man do it alone. So uh, I want to encourage you to be a part of it. I wanna also want to encourage you to invite someone who does not attend a church, a friend. Invite them and say, hey man, would you come and hang out with us? We're going to we're going to play and shoot guns and play football and hang around and hike, and it's going to be great food. And uh, just invite them to come along with you. It's a great opportunity. There's a lot of men who've never experienced this. So I want to encourage you online, sign up, be a part of it as well. Um, we're, we're, uh, we're excited about this, and, and the theme is Too Busy Not To. The idea behind this is uh, men and women, really, but we can all say we're busy, we got a lot going on. We don't have time for this. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm a busy person. You're a very important person. I get it. But when we are like that, we can neglect our souls. It's very easy to neglect our souls. So the purpose of this retreat is to help us learn to spend time with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and for us to come together to encourage each other and, uh, and, and get closer to God. So let's pray, God, and we'll jump into this message here. God, thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you, God, that you're a God of new beginnings. I thank you for your presence. Thank you for your faithfulness here at this church. You've been so faithful, Lord, throughout the years. And I recognize your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for your grace. I'm so humbled that you've chosen to use me to preach this message, Lord. And, and I'm just, uh, I haven't gotten over your grace. I haven't gotten over you saving me, Lord. Thank you for forgiving me for my sins. And thank you for the way you moved in my life. And now, God, I just ask that you, uh, again, anoint this service. You know, this has been my prayer this whole week. And I prayed on this stage during the week, God. I prayed that you pour your spirit on me. And I pray that that happens now. Supernaturally, Lord, use me in a way that's disproportionate to who I am. Use this video that's going to be recorded. This sermon, this whole sermon is going to be. Would you use it, Lord? And would you speak to hearts? I pray, Lord, that we... uh, We turn to you, and right now where you're at, would you again give God permission to speak to you? Maybe this message is for you. Would you say, God, change me, speak to me, open my eyes and ears, give me a soft heart to receive your word, and have your way in my heart. Give God permission to do whatever he wants in your heart. Thank you, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray all this amen amen so excited guys this series uh, we've been um, going through this series called how and we're looking at uh, different uh, how statements that, uh, that that people might google you know what, what you know things that we're searching today the title is how to love a narcissist. How to love a narcissist. Now, usually when I preach messages, there's always a group of people that are sitting down in the house or watching online, and you know what they're thinking? This message would be really good for someone else. You might be sitting next to someone, and right now they're thinking this message would be really good for someone else. I already know everything in the Bible. I already know it all. I don't need anyone to tell me anything else. I'm great. And here's what I want to say with you Uh, be careful because God is not done with you yet. The minute you start thinking you're finished or you're done, that's when you start going downhill. That's when you start making foolish mistakes. And when we look at this narcissist and what it is, now I'm guessing if I ask how many of you are narcissists, nobody's going to raise their hand and you and nobody's going to do that. But you know what? The truth is we all have characteristics of a narcissist or well, we could all go down that road easier than you think. Easier than you think. What's the definition of a narcissist? A person who has an excessive interest in or admiration of themselves. They love themselves. They are the most important person in their life. A narcissist is a person who displays a high level of selfishness, vanity, and pride. So I'm going to give you a narcissist test because I know you're wondering, well, I wonder if I'm on a narcissist. So here's the test. Step number one right now, think about yourself. Think about yourself. You got it? Okay, step number two. Okay, if you get to step number two, then you're not a narcissist. Okay? (laughs) You're pretty good. If you can get to step number two and and you're you're done thinking about yourself, then you're not a narcissist. You know, some jokes look a lot better when I type it out. I'm just telling you. They look, at you. and you guys. I can't wait for some of you to be on stage and me sitting down where you're at, and I'm gonna show you love from there. You better believe I will. Matthew chapter 18. That's where we're gonna be at, guys. Matthew chapter 18 is a popular story. Um, it's a popular story uh, involving two guys who are in debt, and this king who who is uh, who's coming to settle accounts. Um, and, uh, I'm going to lead up to it a little bit. It starts off in verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times. And you have to understand a little bit, uh, for, for uh, Jewish rabbis, um, the three times was the limit three times for Jewish rabbis. So what Peter is doing, he's just multiplying by two and he's adding one and he's saying, you know what Jesus this is pretty good. Seven is better than three. Uh, verse 22, Jesus says, no, not seven times, Jesus replied. But how many times, church? 70 times seven. So how many of you have been counting in your life? You're at 200 or 300 or maybe you're at 5,000 and something like that. Uh, the purpose behind Jesus is, of course, saying 70 times seven. It's, this, it's unlimited. And this is the day of Grace. This is the day of the New Testament, the day of Jesus Christ. It's, it's unlimited, and that's hard for us. And then what he does then is just Jesus does this frequently, and he like drives home a point. He drives home a point, and uh, he, the title of this next section that we're going to be reading, some Bibles will have a little subtitle that says, The Unforgiving Debtor the unforgiving debtor. Another title might say the parable of of an unforgiving servant. And it starts off like this, verse 23. Here's the parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. Now this is, I love Uh, the gospel of Matthew. And in the gospel of Matthew, it's like, it's famous for over and over. There's these phrases like the kingdom of heaven is like this man who found a treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like this man who found a pearl. The kingdom of heaven is like, you know, there's just these beautiful pictures of the kingdom of heaven. And here, And here, Jesus is describing a kingdom of heaven, and there's grace and there's mercy all around this. And who's in heaven? So it starts off by saying he's going to settle accounts with his servants who had borrowed money, okay? And this is a little bit more significant than your mortgage company calling you saying settle up or Visa or MasterCard, whatever it is. This is about the kingdom of heaven. Verse 24 says this. In the process, one of his debtors who brought uh, who, who, who brought in, who owed him millions, say millions with me, millions, millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him. And he released him and and forgave his debt. Verse 28 says, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few, how much? Thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Verse 32 says, Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant? Just as I had mercy on you. Say just as with me, just as. Verse 34 says, then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And then here comes verse 35. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters. From where? From From your heart. And God knows if it's from your heart. He knows it. You can say you forgive someone and not really forgive them. God knows the truth. You can tell someone you forgive them but they know you didn't forgive them. God knows whether you truly forgive someone from the heart and God's always looking at the heart. So this whole passage about the unforgiving debtor, let's not forget what it's about. It's about the kingdom of heaven the population, the citizens in the kingdom of heaven, the citizens in the kingdom of heaven will be people who have received the grace of God. And they didn't only receive it. They shared it with others. It was transformational. They experienced the mercy of God while they were on earth. And because of that encounter between them and the mercy of God, the way they treated others was different. The mercy of God overshadowed their words. It overshadowed their actions. And they had a compassion and a kindness that extended to others that was evident. Those are the people that are in heaven. You want to know who people are in heaven? They're people who've been transformed by the mercy of God. That's who's in heaven. That's who's in heaven. Have you ever dealt with a narcissist? Have you ever dealt? If you're sitting by a narcissist, would you just point to them right now and let everyone... (laughs) I'm just kidding. Don't type anyone in the chat right now. <laughs> so, so, so is those the narcissists? But maybe you worked with them. Maybe you worked with them. Maybe maybe they've been a friend. Maybe they were a family member. Maybe they live in your house. Maybe you're married to one. And, and maybe that's. A, and, and what are some characteristics? They're self-centered. They 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 have they only see themselves. Um, they manipulate others. They know how to work relationships and they have a different standard for themselves, different standards for yourself. A true narcissist will lack self-awareness. sometimes you might say, well, what's the difference with someone who might have some of these characteristics and someone who's a true narcissist? Well, a true narcissist has gone down so far down the road, they lack self-awareness and they, they, they love conditionally. They have strings attached with the way they treat you. They have expectations. They want to know what can they get out of the deal. And here's the other thing. They lack any desire to change. They don't believe they need to change. They believe other people are the problem. A true narcissist is so far down the road that they have this hardened heart, they have blinders on, and they don't recognize who they really are. As we look at this, I want, I want you to think about your own life. Think about this unforgiving debtor. And let's look at this guy together. Verse 24 said, In the process, one of his debtors who brought in, who owed him millions of dollars, millions, say millions with me. Every time I think of millions, I think of that song, Million Little Miracles, and and it's when Faith doesn't like to sing it anymore. But anyway, that's not true. (laughs) Where's she at? Is she here? No, she's not here. Verse 25, he couldn't pay, so his master ordered, she loves that song, just so everybody knows. I'm just having fun. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed. So he couldn't pay. The guy owed millions of dollars. Now just think about that. How does someone get to the point where they spend millions of dollars. He owes millions of dollars. The guy doesn't have it in his account to spend that much money. So at some point in his spending, he didn't care about what he had. He only cared about what he could get. At some point, he decided to live above and beyond his means. At some point, it was only his interest that he had in mind, and the ability to pay it back was not a concern for him. So you have to get into the head of this guy, this unforgiving debtor. He owed millions of dollars. How did he get there? He focused on himself. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone who only thinks about themselves? Their desires, their wants, their wishes, their expectations, and you quickly discover your desires are not as important as theirs. You quickly discover your situation is not as important as their situation. In Greek mythology, the name Narcissus comes from a Greek mythology figure named Narcissus. Here's a picture of him right there. Look, I, I put sensitive content over the woman. You know that? If she was ugly, you wouldn't have to do that. She wouldn't be a temptation. But there's Narcissus was so handsome that he fell in love with his own image in the water. He fell in love. He fell in love with his own image. And he was so fixated on his own image, he, he couldn't even look at anyone else, even with this hot woman trying to make romantic advances. He was oblivious to her because all he focused on was himself. He ignored other women and he just loved his own reflection. That's all he loved. And that's where this word narcissist comes from. They can't stop looking at themselves. I came across this cool joke. I thought it was just really pretty cool. Uh, check it out. How do you drown a narcissist? Put a mirror at the bottom of the swimming pool. <laughs> Isn't that good? I thought that was good. You laugh at that joke. That was a good joke. That was a good joke. <clears throat> one one person said this: the worst pain for a narcissist is to be is to not not be noticed. They will say or do outrageous things to be noticed if they are feeling ignored. Narcissists want attention. And if you don't give them attention, they take it as a personal insult. They need your attention. They need it. Verse 26 said, but the man fell down before his master and begged him. This really jumped off the page for me because you have this unforgiving debtor who owes millions of dollars And he falls down on his knees before this king. Now, a narcissist knows how to work people. They know how to work relationships, they understand relationship dynamics. A narcissist knows what you want to hear, they know what you want to hear, they know how to play the politics of relationships. And in fact, many times, a true narcissist is charismatic as well. They appear to be very confident. And they they kind of attract people, then they win people over. And the other thing about narcissists, you have to understand this, is they love to monopolize conversations. They're They're the type of people that will talk and you'll get together and they'll just talk and talk and talk. And you're waiting for an opportunity to say something because it should be like a conversation, but there's no opportunity. There's no opportunity. That's, that's a true narcissist. In fact, what they do many times is they will talk over or even interrupt people during conversations. They'll express their values. They'll talk about themselves. And they might even give superficial responses to steer the conversation to come back to them. Narcissists like attention. One person said, narcissists often appear to be very confident, but a key feature of narcissism is low self-esteem. Narcissists display arrogance and exaggerate their achievements to hide this low self-esteem. And that's where they're at. And that's where they're at. The worst pain is for them not to be noticed. They'll say and do outrageous things to be noticed if they feel ignored. This, this uh, unforgiving debtor said this, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Now, the guy owes millions of dollars. He's saying exactly what the king is wanting him to say. And narcissists will do this. They know what you want to hear. It's like that that woman who who says, my husband keeps cheating on me. Or that girl who says, my boyfriend keeps cheating on me. But he says he's not going to do it again. He says this is going to be the last time or that woman who's in a relationship that's inappropriate, and, and, and she says, okay, I won't do it again. I'll get out of the relationship. I'm going to stop, stop friending this person, but they're still friends. No, 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 I won't do it. This will be the last time. I'm so sorry. Okay, you, so you're really sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, but they keep doing it. I can tell you stories and stories as a pastor of people that I have counseled where there has been promises, and they're just repeat offenders, and, 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 and the person is just like, okay, it's gonna, this is going to be the last time. I just believe it. This is going to be the last time, and they're holding on to that hope. Think about narcissists, is there's a side to them that's very attractive, and you see that side. So you kind of stay in the game, and the longer you stay in the game with them, the more dangerous it becomes, Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 15. He was talking about the Pharisees who were really narcissists. They were spiritual hypocrites. He said these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So a narcissist can say anything. But you got to look at the heart. When you're dealing with a narcissist, how do you love a narcissist? You have to look at the heart. Because the lips, the words can say a lot of things. In fact, verse 27 said the master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. So the master is looking at this unforgiving debtor. He's seemingly on his knees and he's saying, I promise I'll pay you the millions and millions of dollars. I'll do it. And he's just, you can imagine him in tears. Narcissists know how to manipulate. They can manipulate you emotionally. They might cry. They might do those things. But their agenda is to win you over. One person said it like this. Narcissists are good at making themselves appear as the victim when issues with their behaviors are brought to their attention. Wow, such a great quote. You call out someone and say, hey, what about your attitude? Or what about this? And they divert your attention to something else. That makes them appear like they truly are a victim. It's not their fault. They're blaming others. It's not their fault at all. Jesus, or excuse me, verse 28 says, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. So now you have this unforgiving debtor The shoes are now switched now, and he's about to talk to someone else. This guy owes him $1,000 when he grabs him by the throat and demanded instant payment. This unforgiving servant was not truly remorseful. My friend Gil Jones, he said this, narcissists only desire to change their victims and never themselves. That's a narcissist. They have no desire to change themselves. The problem is with other people. A true narcissist, and you'll see, see this in this story, They lack true repentance. They lack true transformation. And the grace or the mercy that they've received, like this unforgiving debtor, they truly don't appreciate it because it hasn't really changed their heart. Their goal was just, his goal was just to get out of the situation. He owed millions of dollars and he couldn't pay it and it was about to disrupt his entire life. So he says what the king wants to hear And his goal is just to get out with as little damage as possible. And he comes across someone who owes him thousands and he doesn't extend the same grace. See, for a narcissist, it's everyone else's fault. It's everyone else's fault. Why I am the way I am. Why do what I do. Why I don't go to church. Why I don't give. (laughs) Why I don't call him. Why I don't call her. Why I don't love, why I don't, it's everyone else's fault. They don't take responsibility. They don't take responsibility. Parents, you need to know this. A researcher named Sandy Hodgkins reports that how well children learn to manage shame, which is that painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by wrong behavior. How will children learn to manage shame is what will ultimately determine who becomes a narcissist. Interesting, isn't it? A couple of other doctors, Dr. Henry Cloud and John Townsend, identify two parenting factors that help develop narcissism. If you want to develop narcissism, here it is. Ignore the bad in your kids. Ignore it. When they do wrong, ignore it. And do this other thing. That parents fail to limit the grandiose perceptions of the child. Just believe that they're better than everyone else and tell them they're better than everyone else. Tell them they're different from everyone else. Tell them they're just fuel that grandiose spirit inside of them. Fuel it. Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul the Apostle talks about this is what a this is what a, a narcissist might look like. He said, You you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times where people will love only themselves, there's the narcissist, and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. That's this narcissist. Jesus is talking about this unforgiving debtor. He watched out for himself. He loved his money. He was ungrateful. The narcissists will use people at work. They want more money for themselves. They will hijack other people's successes and hard work in order to claim credit for themselves. That's what they do. Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls then turn and attack you. Jesus is giving us, he's dropping wisdom right here. He's saying, you know what? You need to know the heart. You need to know who you're talking to. Have you ever said something incredibly precious to someone else and they just treated it like it was garbage? And you thought, you don't realize what I said to you right now. Or you shared something right from your heart And they didn't treat it the way you wanted them to treat it. You shared something with someone and you're like, gosh, I'm I'm sharing my heart with you. But they didn't capture the moment. Our problem sometimes is we have these wrong expectations. Why are you expecting much from someone whose heart is not right with God? Why are you expecting much? And Jesus is saying, don't throw your pearls. Here's a message. Don't waste your pearls. That's it. Don't waste your pearls. Don't throw it to pigs. They're just going to trample all over it. Don't do it. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you share. Jealousy is another narcissistic behavior. Narcissists can become completely consumed by their own feelings. Their own feelings is all that matters. When you look at this story, it says his fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Like what this one person said, narcissists are like a parasitic bugs that leach onto you and essentially suck the life out of you. Then when you are no longer useful, they discard you. Wow. They're boastful and proud. Well, this is not a big surprise. At the center of every sin, there's pride. The center of every sin. And in the center of that narcissist, there's that pride. It's been there since the days of Lucifer. It's that pride. They like bragging about their accomplishments. They like boasting about their success. They want people to know how important they are. They want people to know that they're proud. They're almost always right, almost always right in their own eyes. And they rarely admit to do anything wrong. When was the last time you admitted to doing something wrong? Oh, we're going to go a step further. When was the last time you went to someone and verbally said, would you forgive me? Now we get quiet. The narcissist sees nothing wrong with that. They're so full of themselves. They're absolutely convinced absolutely convinced they're right and their pride and stubbornness holds them prison captive where they can't even say forgive me turn to the person and just say will you forgive me can you do that let's see if you can do it just say will you forgive me oh some of you can and some of you can't so much stubbornness so much pride holding on this unforgiving debtor maybe that's you Maybe that's you. They like to be boastful. They're proud. I was watching a, um, a Netflix documentary thing on uh, Jobs, Steve Jobs, last night. And uh, it, it was—I uh, was just watching it. Just I was a bachelor at home by myself and eating my peanuts or sunflower seeds, whatever it was. And I was watching it. And uh, Steve Wozniak—he uh, he, in this, in this, in this movie—he says this to Steve Jobs. This is when Steve Jobs was pretty self-centered at one point in his life. Uh, and God bless his soul. And uh, Steve Wozniak turns to Steve Jobs and says, "You're the beginning and the end of your own world, and it's so small." Was not that a great line? You're the beginning and the end of your own world, and it's so small. That's a narcissist. You rarely hear them say, please forgive me, and they will slander others. The other thing about narcissists is they have the ability to slander others and retell false narratives. (sighs) They have the ability to do that. And, and, and they'll retell a story, and in their story, they're either the hero or the victim. As they recap the story, they're either the hero of the story or they're the victim. They genuinely believe their own false perspective. They genuinely believe it, and they're unwilling to accept any responsibility for their actions or words. Unwilling. Unwilling. Dr. Brenda Wade said, gaslighting is their stock and trade. You know what gaslighting is? It's manipulating someone so as to make them question their own reality. Have you ever talked to someone and and they're retelling the memory and you're thinking, well, my memory is different from yours and they make you feel like you're crazy? you ever done that? It's gaslighting. Here's some signs someone is gaslighting you. This is not going to be on the screen, so you might want to take notes or something where, you know, I'm sure you have a great memory. Here it is. Number one, they insist you said or did things you know you didn't do. Gaslighting. They deny or scoff at your recollection of events. They laugh at your memory. Gaslighting. They call you too sensitive Or crazy when you express your needs or concerns. Gaslighting. They express doubts to others about your feelings, behavior, and state of mind. Gaslighting. They twist or retell events to shift blame to you. Gaslighting. See, narcissists, one other thing they do is they use guilt as a tool. They want you to live in guilt. They want you to live in shame. And they use that guilt and shame to get their way. And sometimes the other thing narcissists will do is they might say something to you that hurts, and then they back it up with a joke or something like that to kind of camouflage it. They might say something like, I'm just telling you the truth. I just care about you so much and I'm just, but, but, but they, you walk away feeling, feeling hurt and wounded and they manipulate you. They use guilt and shame. You know, Timothy said they will consider nothing sacred. Nothing sacred to them. Narcissists. We had, we had this guy who worked in our basement. But I had a feeling he was, he was just taking advantage of us. <laughs> I had a feeling he was ripping us off. So I told him, hey guys, uh, this was many, many years ago. I said, um, we're gonna have to part ways. We're not gonna, we're not, remember this baby? I said, we're gonna have to part ways. And I didn't know how we are gonna finish the rest of the basement, we were, he, was, he was doing some work. And I just felt like I need to part ways. I feel like he's doing something, he's taking advantage of us. And uh, he was so upset with me, so upset with me. I remember him showing me his wallet, showing me how much money he had in his wallet, telling me money's not an issue for him. And yeah, I just remember it was a lot of emotion, a lot of anger. And uh, <clears throat> I was ready for him to take a swing at me. But fortunately, I'm a six-degree black belt. So I was ready to... <laughs> no, I'm not, But I saw that guy like two years later. Two years later, I saw him, and he was at a car show. And, I, he, I, and he said, uh, hey, Pastor Ruben, can I talk to you? And I didn't know what he was going to do or what he was going to say. And we walked to the side, and we walked to... to and I'm, I'm like, okay... Um, I don't know what this guy's going to do. I mean, there was a day and age when I I used to, you know, have that life. And I don't have that life anymore since Jesus came to my heart. So I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. So he says, would you forgive me? What I did to you was wrong. And I was taking advantage of you. Would you forgive me? Beautiful moment. I actually embraced him. I told him, I forgive you. Embraced him. I forgive you. But I think about narcissists, nothing is sacred to them. Trying to rip off a pastor is no problem. Ripping off a church is no problem. In fact, narcissists can be in the church. And there's people who will even use scripture. They'll even use scripture to get their agenda. See this, verse 5 says, they will act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly so they know how to act like they're religious they know how to play the part they can maybe even teach a bible study or something like that but when you look at their heart you're like where's the transformation where's the change You're talking about it, you can teach it, you can preach it, (laughs) but you know what? I see nothing but pride and arrogance and stubbornness inside of you. I see nothing but resentment and bitterness and jealousy and greed inside of you. Where's the change? They act religious, but they reject the power that could make them godly. See, they really don't want to change. That's not their goal. That's not their goal at all. It's all a tool for them. Jesus gives us some advice. Matthew chapter 10. I love this verse. He says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I broke out the New King James Version. Hello. I, I, uh, when I got saved, that's the version that I, I read. That's the Bible. Um, but Jesus says he's talking to his disciples and he's telling them you're going to go out to some really narcissistic people and you just need to be, you need, you need to know that you're going out like sheep in the midst of wolves so be wise as a serpent. And I thought about that. Well, the beginning of, of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That's what Proverbs says, right? The beginning of the wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And, 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 and to be wise is to know what's right, know what's wrong. In John chapter 2, you read about Jesus, and you look at the last few verses of, of John chapter 2, and, and Jesus says that he did not entrust himself into the heart of man because he knew what was inside man. Like, there was all these people coming around him because of the miracles, and Jesus said, yeah, 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 I see them, but I'm not going to give over my heart because I know what's inside them. Wise as a serpent. Wise as a serpent. You look at hearts differently. You look at people differently. You set boundaries Sometimes you just have to set a boundary with a narcissist because they're going to keep taking advantage or they're going to keep saying things or they're going to keep hurting you. You have to set a boundary and say, no, I'm not going <laughs> to do that right now. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I don't I, I just, I don't need that right now in my life. I need to surround myself with positive people. I need to surround myself with good people. And I'm not going to be around those, those negative people that are tearing me down. I'm not going to do that. I'm running with the wrong friends. You look at your phone and you see them calling you. You do not have to answer the phone. It's okay. You can say, I'm not going to do this right now. Have you ever been in a conversation with a narcissist and you just, it's like a merry-go-round. It's like a conversation like this and you're like, "I, I feel more confused now than when we first started. I don't know what we're talking about anymore. I don't know what we're talking about anymore. Here's something for you to think about when someone says something to you and it kind of rubs you a little bit, ask yourself or ask this question to God. God, why are they saying that? Rather than just taking the words at surface value, ask God, God, what's going on inside of them? What what makes them say those words right there? Do it with flattery too. Scripture says flattery tests the heart. When people say flattering things to you, And they say, gosh, you are good-looking. First of all, you probably need to know that's probably a lie. That's probably a lie. (laughs) I probably need to stop joking around. I know there's a lie they tell me that. But if people, if you hear those flattering words, it's, it's nice and it feels good. We all like to be those flattering words. But the question you need to ask is, why are they saying that? Many times, there's an agenda. Many times. Many times. Sometimes it's authentic, so I don't want to take anything away from that, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes there's an agenda behind it. And then the other thing about being wise is the last person you want to try to please is a narcissist. You're not going to win, you're never going to please them. Be harmless as a dove. Jesus says, pray for your enemies, love your enemies pray for them. When you come across someone, you need to know, first of all, it's a spiritual condition, and that's why they're acting the way they act. That's why they say what they say. Pray for them, because God can break open any heart. God can change any heart. God is able to transform any heart. So you pray for them and say, God, would you just move in their heart, Lord? Move in their heart. Love on them. I like what the owner says in the very end of this parable. He said, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And there's the mercy of God. This whole parable is about the mercy of God. The mercy of God has been extended. This is the kingdom of heaven is like The kingdom of heaven is like someone who has received the mercy of God, has been transformed by the mercy of God, and they love differently because of the mercy of God. And now their new address is in heaven. The kingdom of heaven is people who receive the mercy of God and have been transformed by the mercy of God, and they love because of the mercy of God. That's the kingdom of heaven. You know what hell is like? It's those people who resisted the grace of God. They rejected the grace of God. They were unchanged by the mercy of God. That's what the scripture says. True narcissists have never embraced, received, or been transformed by the mercy of God. Here's the big question. Are you a narcissist? See, truly, most narcissists would probably say no. That's the truth. Well, let me ask you a maybe a little bit, uh, a little softer question. Do you have any characteristics of narcissism? I look at it and I can look at it and say, yeah, I think there's some things I got to work on if I'm honest. For me, there's some things I have to work on. Difference is you can identify it and you can be like, okay, I don't want to have that in my heart. I don't know where that's coming from. It feels dark, it feels ugly. I don't want to and you deal with it. That's a good thing. That's a good thing because we always have that flesh and the spirit battling within ourselves. But but narcissists don't care. They don't care. Here's the next question. Are you more like the unforgiving debtor than you might want to admit? Have you forgiven from your heart? From your heart. God knows the truth. From your heart. The unforgiving debtor received the grace of God but couldn't give the grace of God to someone else. That's the unforgiving debtor. It's the unforgiving debtor. The best lie the devil could tell you is, he's not talking about you. Someone else. You don't need to change. You're fine. And I wanna say, just be open be open. Pray and say, Lord, is there anything in my heart? Is there anything in my heart that needs to change, God? Be open. Say, God, I I know I haven't haven't arrived. I I know I'm still a work in progress. Be open. Saying, God, start here. Search search me, Lord. Give Give me a clean heart. Renew my spirit. Change me. Transform me, God. Search my heart. Don't ever stop saying that prayer. Don't ever stop saying that prayer. Say it every day. Say, God, search me. Search me over and over. Maybe, here's what maybe you need to do. If, if you feel like you're going down the wrong road, or you feel like you have characteristics of being a narcissist, or you feel like you're more like that unforgiving debtor, first thing you need to do is you need to ask God for forgiveness. You need to repent. You need to say, God, forgive me. And the next thing you need to do is maybe you need to go to someone else and say, will you forgive me? Do that. Be passionate. Be passionate about being the person God has called you to be. Be passionate about fulfilling God's purpose in your life. Don't let the devil rob any more years out of your life. He's done that enough. Be passionate and say, God, I'm not gonna let anything come between me and your Holy Spirit, me and your grace, me and the plan you have for me. I'm just gonna live for you, God. Be passionate about that and love the narcissist. Be wise as a serpent and harmless, as a dove and pray for them and love them. Well, God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Um thank you, Lord. And if you need to turn to the Lord right now, maybe you need to say this, say Jesus, I need you. I recognize right now I've got some uh, characteristics inside of me that I'm not proud about and I want to ask you for forgiveness. And I want to tell you right now, I'm willing to do whatever to make things right because I want more of your will. I want more of your plan. I want more of your favor. I want more of your blessings over my life, God. So maybe the first step is to receive Jesus. And maybe you need to say this. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I turn to you. And right now, I want to become a Christian. Others of you might need to say this. God, forgive me truth is i'm more like that unforgiving debtor than i than i realized so change me help me to look at my own life help me to take more responsibility for my words and actions help me to stop blaming others help me to take ownership i don't want to manipulate anyone god i pray instead use my use my gifts for your kingdom for your purpose god And Lord, I want to die to myself right now. Oh man, some of you need to say this. Empty me out right now, God. I don't want to live a self-centered life. I don't want it to be all about me. I don't want to be infatuated with my own reflection. I pray, Lord, that you empty me out according to Philippians chapter 2, just like Jesus emptied himself himself out when he went to the cross. And I want to be emptied out. Help me to see others before I see me. Help me to love others before I I love me. Help me, Lord, do that. And I pray people see that inside of me. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen.